I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, more in the series of November Light. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. November 4, Sunday. Given the time change this weekend, I was definitely worried about missing things this morning, similar to how I felt yesterday. But today, I knew that the time change might really cause me to miss it. But I made it. I made it. I caught the light. Although, there wasn't really a lot of light. I walked in and looked out to find the distance was shrouded in fog. An even swath of what I wrote down as periwinkle blue. But I think depends on how you perceive periwinkle. This was definitely dusky. And it might not sound like fog because sometimes the fog is different in color and different in appearance. But this was definitely fog. Looking out, it was clear that it was foggy. With no other color to focus on, I looked more closely at my anchor points, the trees on each side. Yesterday, I had noticed a building And I could see lights on. It looked like it's probably an apartment building of some kind. And when I transferred my diagram last night, I puzzled a minute over this building and the relationship of this building and the trees. Because in my notes, the building seemed to be in the middle of the trees. And this morning, I could see why. I could see why I thought that. This morning, I looked more carefully And I can see that the far tree on the very left, far left, is in front of that building. So there are layers. There's this tree that is in the distance, but the foreground tree. And then there's this building, which seems to have many windows. And then there is another tree to the right of it and behind it. And depending on the light and how bright it is and how light it is, those can all kind of merge together to appear as this one level. But really, there's some depth there. There is some dimension and some layering. So I was really glad to see that. I was glad to see it differently today. I feel like every day I'm seeing a little bit more clearly what's out there. And that's exciting. It's inspiring in its own way. So today I could see that depth. And I finished my notes and I moved on to making coffee. And as I opened the coffee maker to put in my pod, I was in front of the open part of the window, which is a different spot than where I stand when I make my notes. And the open part of the window, I'm looking just through the screen. And as I was looking out, there was color. And I squinted and I looked again because there had been no color there when I took my notes just seconds before. And I thought, well, maybe this is just the difference in the screen and the slightly dirtier window, the glass. But no, there was color. This band of color had appeared right over that tallest section of land that I can see to the right, where yesterday I had seen the brightest color as well. And that color definitely had just appeared. And as I stood there, remaking my notes, it started to spread. It expanded. 
You could see it creeping to the left and you could see it pushing up ever so slightly against the fog. It was really beautiful to watch. This quote from All the Light We Cannot See is not about the sky. It is about the ocean, but there is something parallel in this really beautiful description. Quote, I have been feeling very clear-headed lately, and what I want to write about today is the sea. It contains so many colors. Silver at dawn, green at noon, dark blue in the evening. Sometimes it looks almost red, or it will turn the color of old coins. Right now, the shadows of clouds are dragging across it, and patches of sunlight are touching down everywhere. White strings of gulls drag over it like beads. It is my favorite thing, I think, that I have ever seen. Sometimes I catch myself staring at it and forget my duties. It seems big enough to contain everything anyone could ever feel. End quote. And I listened to this book earlier this year, and I can't place the quote. I see this quote coming up again and again and again in some of the searching I've been doing, and I'm having trouble placing it. So maybe you'll remember the context of this quote in the book, but the language of the quote is beautiful. November 5, Monday. I checked off all of my boxes today. I did all my things, but... It felt like every other day. It takes effort. It takes determination. It takes commitment to keep a project alive, to make and form and shape a habit, to practice gratitude, awareness, mindfulness, and seeing. It takes belief. Belief in the need, in the value, in the meaning, in the possibility that there is meaning. I did all my things. I looked, I saw, I diagrammed, I wrote my lines. It was another day. November 6, Tuesday. The day opened as the ones before. Slight variances, more clarity about other edges and lines and markers as I looked at my morning light. Thoughts on sizing and vantage and fitting things in on skewing what is seen as I try to fit things in. My month-long project this year is mostly a repeat of something from years past, something that worked for me when I did it before. Had meaning then, still has some level of just right today. It is one of the few things that I pulled out one time, set it out to take a picture, and I left it, and it's still in exactly the same place. There is comfort in seeing that multi-day piece from years ago. So this year, a repeat. Maybe because it was an easy thing to just go ahead and say, I'll just do it again. But a repeat. And yet no plan. I don't plan to do exactly the same thing. Just the general concept. So I started on day one. And then on night two, I wasn't sure what to draw. I wasn't sure what to do. So I picked up a small figurine, something that was once a special collection for one of the kids, but something that has since lost its glow, so to speak. But I love these little things. I'm not willing to let them go. It's not the kind of thing that I typically draw, but I did. I didn't know what else to draw. 
So I did. The finding of things to draw is always the first stumbling block for me. That is partly why I love portraits and having a library of photos from which to choose each night for portraits. It really does eliminate that part of the process. It makes it so much easier. It simplifies the finding and choosing. But with this project, no portraits. I'm left each night to figure this out. So what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I've been in this spot so many times through the years. On day three, a bank. It's a bank that was a memento from someone's business trip. It is missing its bottom, the little black rubber seal. It's no longer used. The kids don't care. It was set aside to be gotten rid of. So a drawing of it. Quirky lines, wonky perspective. Day four. The theme. Unbidden, really. Not planned. Not at all something I would have anticipated doing. This theme has started to take shape, I think. A chunky plastic excavator. Exactly the kind of piece that challenges my lines. But also the kind of piece I love to do. I really need so much practice. It's always so hard for me. Hard to get it right. It's always off. Hard to do and a challenge. But also exactly the kind of piece that holds time. Years. Memories faded but evoked by the image, by these things. The sense of those years. Just that fuzzy sense. Sometimes that's all that's left is that fuzzy sense and a theme coming into view. Day five, I rummaged in the basket of things that I knew I couldn't get rid of until I recorded them. I knew that when we did a whole bunch of sorting. I put a whole bunch of things in this basket and said, I have to at least photograph them so that I can draw them. And I never photographed them. Not yet. So there's this basket full of things. I have to somehow deal with them. So I rummaged around and I pulled out a plastic, again, chunky, as children's toys often are, a chunky plastic robot, a rescue hero. Again, so much memory, that sense of how important these things were. More challenging than any of the nights before to draw, for sure. A cacophony of lines and angles and plastic edges and buttons, and it was hard. But I loved doing it. I love doing it. I'm not letting the wonky lines bother me. I'm just following the lines, doing what I can before I fall asleep, following each line, trying to fit things in place, looking at what's next to what, looking at negative space, all these things that I know more about now than I used to, drawing what I see, shape by shape, line by line, and just thinking about and appreciating this artifact almost of our past. Today, today, November 6th, I remember so clearly sitting and working on that similar project two years ago, two years ago today, a Tuesday. I remember how the drawing felt. I remember sitting there that night two years ago today, settling in that night to watch the news and drawing a beanie baby covered in stars. I remember how that night felt, how the drawing felt. 
That was my first year with this gratitude theme. Definitely I was in a slightly different space, different mental space. But that night, that night, I remember how the drawing felt, how the drawing grew and stretched and broke the bounds of the project in size. There is an uneasy echo in my head and heart today. But this project, this project, I know that no matter how slight it seems from the outside, it has the potential to be meaningful, worth it. And I know that many people fill a page like this in a day. I know that. I know that. I'm not trying to overemphasize the effort this project takes. But I don't want to fill it in a day. This is not simply about drawing 30 things. And it doesn't matter to me that others might do it that way. This is something different. That would be a different project. I'm taking the slow road. That's what I feel like. I feel like this is the slow road. It is a deliberately slow project. One a day. It grows over the course of a month. And this theme is coming into view. And it is tied to gratitude in some ways. And it is mindful. The drawing is slow and mindful. The process is slow and mindful. There is this building day by day. And there is this sense of knowing that there will be space to fill. Knowing that 30 days may not fit. That's part of the challenge. And yet having no idea what objects will come into view. Not pre-planning. Just night by night. Something. I don't know how they're going to go together. I don't know how they're going to hold together. I don't know if they will. So far, it's really hodgepodge. It's definitely not feeling at all gelled. And yet, what's the worst that can happen? I'll have 30 drawings on a page. It's not even a standard sheet of paper. I tore a big sheet in half. And you know, I'm grateful that I had that big sheet. And I'm grateful that tonight I will find something to draw. Something to focus on while everything else spins around. November 7, Wednesday. Struggling? Maybe. Maybe. Getting up and making a point to look at the light? Yeah, doing that. Documenting it? Doing that. Diagramming it? Doing that. Considering words, doing that, especially shades of peach and apricot, pastel shades that are not typically in my wheelhouse, but doing that, doing my nightly gratitude drawing project, doing that, gratitude journal, at least one sentence, doing that. I am even managing to do this other daily drawing thing, doing it. But Spark? Spark is feeling like a struggle. And I was afraid of that this year. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But I don't think I've settled in. I don't think I've settled into it. Maybe it's the difference in format. Maybe it's the delay. Maybe it's the feeling of silence. But doing it. And yet each day there is some resistance some pushing back, some putting off. Last year, I tried to record in the mornings, 
first thing before work. Made it my first thing for the day. My frog, I guess. And that was probably smart. That's probably smart, and it's not what I'm doing this year. Maybe it would have made a difference. I don't know. What I really want to talk about today is red ink. But I think I'll save it. I am grateful today for red ink, which is a funny thing to say, I guess. But sometimes what comes up when we start thinking about gratitude is really simple that way. Really basic. Maybe quirky or funny or strange or odd, but true and real and authentic to each of us in the moment. More than once while taking a shower, I've realized how grateful I am for certain smells. The smell of a favorite shampoo. Sometimes it really gets to me. The light in the mornings has been so soft, so diffuse, no lines. And I've realized that the lines I am drawing as I diagram my light, those lines are misleading. Not that anyone is going to see these. But I know that it's sometimes the lines between bands of color are clear. They are distinct. The light in the last few days has continued to be pale and watery, diffuse, seamless. This pale color fading up into an almost colorless pool that meets the color from the top, which is fading down to its own colorless pool. And they mingle there in the middle, this mingling and merging of apricot and blue, the palest of tones. So pale that you have to squint to try and figure out if you're seeing color. In thinking about color over the last week, especially in looking at the quirky names and adjectives that I've used in my scrawled notes each morning to describe the color, I did a random search. I was curious. I kept thinking, I need a thesaurus. So I did a random search and I turned up a color thesaurus. Over and over again, the same resource comes up. Now, really, we are art people. Some of us are designer types. We have lots of experience with colors. And if you think about it, you could pull up any paint catalog or artist's catalog or web design HTML hex codes. You could pull up all kinds of resources to give you a whole bunch of colors. And you can get great names from looking at those words to describe the tones. But this one resource got a whole bunch of attention a few years ago, and it kept coming up over and over and over again. I ran across articles about this resource. So what it is, is a writer put together a set of swatches for colors and gave them names. And her point was to suggest that when we write or when we talk about something, there's real value in specificity in using really descriptive color choices in saying what you mean, not just using general terms. Really, really trying to key in on color. So she put together this entire set of swatches with names. And I totally agree. I totally agree. I think word choice can make a huge difference in the texture and nuance of writing. In the actual post, where she talks about these colors and presents her color thesaurus, she notes that, of course, there are all kinds of other possibilities. This is a start, and it looks like a pretty good set, really. From the first time the question was ever posed to me, what if what I see as blue is not 
really what you see as blue. But we both think we see blue, we call it blue, and we agree that we know what blue is. It's a kind of classic philosophy discussion. And that really made an impact on me. It really stuck. I go back to that every once in a while. My older son and I have disagreed about colors many, 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 many times. Sometimes funny times we have disagreed about color. We don't always reference colors the same way. We don't use the same words. We don't see colors the same, it appears. And he, as a painter, also sees color in a really different way, an entirely different way than I do. Because he sees color now in its parts, in terms of how he might mix to get that color. So he might see blues in something that you would never think of as blue. He sees color in a fascinating way. And yet sometimes we totally disagree just on basic color. Even working with others, I know that color can be tough. Knitting projects, it can be tough to describe the kinds of colors you like. Quilting projects, there are always color quandaries with creative work, especially if you're collaborating or trying to talk with someone else about color. Because no matter what color you're talking about, there are so many shades and tones and variations, whether it's yellow or whether it's green or whether it's pink, whether it's orange, there's so many different directions and tones that that can take. I like green and I always have a terrible time conveying to other people the kind of green that I like and what I don't like. It's always a challenge. And I see it in the morning light. It is definitely part of this challenge, part of the tantalizing challenge, actually, this naming of color. That wasn't really my focus last year. Color was a big part of what I was paying attention to. But because I'm doing this documentation, which I think is a little odd what I'm doing, it's a little odd, but because I'm doing it and because I'm making it a really concerted part of my day, I am thinking about color because I need to write it down. I need to formulate what it is I think I see because I'm really looking. What is it I think I see? And what do I see different on this day than that? And is this the same shade of orange as yesterday? So that's part of it. Is that dreamsicle orange or is it vanilla orange sherbet or is it apricot or is it peach? Every day I go back to these. I've looked at her list of oranges actually at that thesaurus. The lightest shade in her thesaurus, interestingly, is cantaloupe. But there aren't any other light ones. So I'm seeing a whole range of light tones that aren't even in that thesaurus. But cantaloupe, that's interesting. Apricot is much, much darker than seeing really pale, watery, diffuse apricot. Thursday, November 8th. Really short, really short entry because I am recording this at night, early evening actually, and I just dropped my son off at a class And as we drove, the setting sun was straight ahead of us, our road taking us straight to the ocean if we followed it as a bird flies. The sky was colorless and blue, pale blue and pink. And the sun was several shades of pink, darkening to a deep fuchsia. 
It is a sun that makes you catch your breath, but it is also a sun that in the same moment you know is a fire sun. There is fire to the north of us today, and the smoke moved rapidly into the city. It almost looks like fog. The smoke is so clear and so thick as it settles in. And I know already, I've thought about it, I know that tomorrow morning that may mean a change in my morning light. And tonight, even though the pink of the sun was breathtaking, was breathtaking, impossible to capture with a camera, with a phone camera, but it was breathtaking. And yet I knew and I know that fire is responsible. The effects of fire were clear in the light on the roads, the glow being cast on the trees and the houses. Fire sun. November 9, Friday. No light today. Not at 6 a.m. at least. The smoke from the fires had settled in overnight, completely shrouding my view. An hour later, there was a magenta red sun rising, a perfect sphere cresting the rightmost trees out the same window. The sky, again, just like last night, strangely tinged with blues and pinks, but really pale, really faint. And as day has gone on, there are orange and yellow tones to the light on the streets and on the shadows. There is steely gray in the sky. I wasn't sure what I would talk about today. Last year, there was such clarity in focusing on gratitude in these spark shows. And light emerged from my sometimes uneasy relationship with reality and the acceptance of reality and memory and change and gratitude and the uncertainties always of the future. Light somehow emerged as this common thread in the midst of all of that. We each struggle with our gratitude and our reality and our acceptance of what is and the difference in wish and want, need and have. We all struggle with those things. And as I talked about those things last year, light became an anchor. It emerged as a recurring thread, something on which to cast and spin my thoughts, my introspection and my words each day. So this year I started with light that felt like the common denominator. It felt like coming home. It felt like a return to something that had been so full for me, an awareness of the top of my hill, an insistence on stopping and looking out the window in the morning, a recognition that some of the things that are most powerful and most magical and most inspiring are much, much bigger than all of us. And at the same time, some of the things that are most magical and most inspiring and most worthy of our day-to-day gratitude are tiny. They're small. They're individual. They're little. They're seemingly trivial. And both sides of that spectrum matter. So this year, I thought I would use light as my umbrella. But things are unclear. Things are unclear. I am walking in a stupor of sorts. I feel it. I feel it. It's uneasy. I'm checking off the boxes for activities that I have set up, doing several things that are new to me and things that I think are important and good practice and good habits. But I'm shuffling along through these days otherwise, at least so far. Nothing extra, and I'm not sinking in 
And maybe it is because this year I didn't start out so clearly and so concretely with gratitude, with the idea of gratitude, with the idea of talking each day about gratitude, thinking about my own and encouraging you to focus on gratitude in these weeks and days. Maybe that is what November takes, the unlocking or the opening of that door, the tumble of words, raw, sharp, forgotten, faded, maybe. I was looking at quotes today, as I often do when thinking about the Spark Shows, when thinking about both light and gratitude. This one really struck me today. I really like this. Quote, stories are light. Light is precious in a world so dark. Begin at the beginning. Tell Gregory a story. Make some light. That's from Karen DiCamillo. And then this one. Quote, look at light and admire its beauty. Close your eyes and then look again. What you saw is no longer there, and what you will see later is not yet. Leonardo da Vinci. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for this installment of November's Park 2018. I'm going to wrap things up with this one. There are a set of days here from this week, day by day. It has been an unusual week, but day by day, this notebook unfolds. It grows. It expands its form and shape ebb and flow and begin to take on the appearance of something, something. There will be some thread that emerges. I know that. And even if there is not a thread, it is still a notebook. As always, I'm Amy and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes, and there will not be many through Spark, but the show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website, which could use a ton of work. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Hydeless. You can find me on Instagram as oamyoamy and as Creativity Matters Podcast. I hope you'll follow me in both places there. You can also find me in the Facebook group, the Creativity Matters group at Facebook. We are a small group of women sharing our day-to-day with creative underpinnings always. Thank you especially to those of you who have supported the CMP this year through Patreon patreon.com slash creativity matters. This year is really winding down and I will soon begin to figure out what that means for next year. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. I hope you don't forget to breathe and I hope that you are paying a bit more attention this month to gratitude. Have a good week, everyone.